Hello. Happy Masterful Living. Happy Tuesday. What a blessing that we get to be together today. So grateful. So let us dive in. <sighs> opening our hearts and opening our minds to the infinite. <sighs> calling upon the company of heaven, all that is holy. So grateful and so thankful to call upon the ascended masters, the archangels, the ancestors, partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember our true identity. So grateful and so thankful to recognize the power and the presence of love, perfect love, activated in our heart, in our mind, happening right now. Opening ourselves to the unlimited and the unprecedented. We are consciously surrendering thoughts of the past, thoughts of the future, thoughts of limitation of any kind. Surrendering them all and bringing all of our awareness and attention into the present moment. So grateful to be able to say yes to the flow of love happening right now. Fully immersing ourselves in it. We're calling for a healing right here, right now. All healing is at the level of the mind and we're willing to surrender thought patterns that no longer serve our life of love. We're willing to experience the freedom of our true identity, unfettered, unlimited unprecedented bringing our awareness fully into the present moment right now Taking these breaths of love and gratitude, we center into this feeling of freedom. And as we're breathing deeply, 
allowing our mind to open. Experiencing more and more clarity. Allowing the identifications to be more loosely worn. So we're looking at all the ways that we're identified in this world of effects. We're going to place them to the side for a moment. So in this moment, releasing all attachments and identification with where we're from in the world, where we live in the world, Just letting that identification with any place fall away. Just letting it fall beside you like something you are wearing that you're temporarily taking off. Now looking at the identification with work, contribution in the world, just allowing yourself to take off that identification and place it to the side. Now looking at your identification in community, in your spiritual community, in your neighborhood, any place that you might be of service, and just allowing that identification to become like a garment that you've been wearing that you're now going to take off and place to the side becoming lighter and lighter And now looking at any identification you have with your home, the place where you live, 
how you keep your home, your relationship with your home. Seeing this too like a garment that you've been wearing that you're going to gently take off and place on the pile to the side with the other identifications. Feeling lighter and lighter. Now, looking at your place in your birth family or the family you grew up with. parents, siblings, relatives, your place in that world, in that family, taking that identification and like a coat you've been wearing to gently take it off temporarily and add it to the pile to your side. And now looking at your place amongst your friends, spouse, children, intimate loved ones. Even any animals that live with you that you're close to. Seeing all these identifications. These most intimate relationships. Taking them off like a garment you've been wearing, temporarily disrobing, placing it gently on the pile beside you. And then Seeing your identification in terms of your age. And taking that off and adding it to the pile.
and witnessing your identification your gender and your sexuality and taking that off and placing it on the pile of garments beside you. And then looking at your identification with yourself as a body. and a being in this world. I'm taking that off and placing it beside you temporarily. and noticing what's left what is the essence your awareness is still here your ability to perceive is still here. Your ability to feel love and compassion, to receive insight is still here. And now, Imagine yourself as the ocean. You're the wide expanse of the entire ocean. And you can perceive just as clearly what's happening at the deepest depths, the darkest dark, as you can what's happening on the surface. You can feel just as clearly what's happening on this side of the planet where the ocean meets the land and on this side of the planet where the ocean meets the land 
where the water is warmest and where it's coldest. You can feel every creature that lives in the ocean, their intentions, their activities, the births, the deaths, all of it taking place inside your very beingness. Feeling the expanse of it. You can feel the love for each and every creature, no matter how big or how small, tiniest piece of plankton or the biggest blue whale loving them all so grateful for their activity of life to be able to support all these beings with love noticing how it feels that People place trash in the ocean. And how it feels when other people pull trash out of the ocean. And now bringing your awareness to a very specific spot on the surface of the ocean. Where there's an action of a wave And a little droplet flies up and is evaporated by the sun, moves into the atmosphere, and now you're part of the atmosphere. joining with other water molecules to form a cloud.
moving across the sky. Observing the feeling of the sun and the shade created by your very being moving across the sky. Joining with more and more molecules Becoming a rain cloud and raining down onto the land. Moving into the earth. Into the root of a magnificent tree that is growing growing towards the sun offering shade and food and shelter to many creatures becoming one with that tree Part of the tree intelligence. The fabric of the forest. Part of your whole identity. and resting in the energy of the tree and the forest And then releasing that identification, coming back to your awareness of your essence in God, in the pile of identification garments beside you. looking at the pile thinking about how some of these garments have thoughts of better than or less than worn into them woven into them in the family garment There's stains and tears and holes and 
threads of this one thinks this about me, I think that about that one, all the ways that we've come to identify ourselves by the things that we've done, the choices we've made. where we've been, who we've slept with, who we've given birth to or parented, all the many forms of identification, how good we are at our work, how much money we earn, how much money we have, how much service we give in the world, whether we live alone or with others, which of the identifications are comfortable and which are uncomfortable. Which of the identifications have we actively pursued and chosen? And which ones seem to have been put on us? What are the many labels that we wear? Which of the garments would we like to redesign before we put them back on? Which of the labels no longer suit us? 
how willing are we to exercise our free will choice? To live as our true identity or to wear a false identification? Which of these garments are roles that we play and which ones are identification? How does it feel to take a moment and stand apart from the identification, to be able to open our mind and our heart to be as expansive as the ocean? What can we take from that back into our human experience? As we put these garments back on, how would we like to reshape them and redesign them? Is there anything about your gender or your sexuality that doesn't suit you anymore. You've been wearing it so long that you haven't even thought about it. Anything about your body that you've just forgotten about, become so identified with, you've forgotten that you're not a body, and but you have a body to care for, to enjoy, and to share. or anything about your role in your family that you can enjoy without being identified with it. in your birth family. Can you be a member 
of the family. without being identified with your role. the things you do in the world? Do they provide identification? Is that how you wish to see yourself? Is that how you wish to be seen? What role does your financial picture play in your identity? What's your relationship with your home? Is it part of your identity? Do the animals that you love and care for impact your identity? When you fill in the blank of this sentence, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? I am, what comes to mind? So I invite you to bring your awareness and your attention to your physical body seated on the chair, becoming aware of how you feel in this moment. 
noticing, just calling to your mind without opening your eyes. What are you wearing? What day of the week is it? Bringing yourself back fully into this present moment. I'm going to share the prayer from Alice Bailey that's in your workbook. I am a messenger of light. I am a pilgrim on the way home. I do not walk alone, but know myself as one with all great souls and one with them in service. Their strength is mine, this strength I claim. My strength is theirs and this I freely give. A soul, I walk on earth, I represent the one. And so we take that breath of love and gratitude together. We give thanks for the opportunity to explore together and to remember our true identity as the perfect givers and receivers of love, eternally one. So grateful. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to take a moment to make any notes from our meditation. Things you'd like to remember. So I'm going to unmute everyone now so you can self-mute if necessary. It's usually a good idea. All right, everyone is unmuted. All right, so... I'd love to hear if anybody had any 
ahas or insights from the meditation. Uh, I have one. Hey, Carla. Oh, every yeah. Okay. Is that better? I think it's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I came on late, a little, a couple minutes late, but um, what I got was when I was removing all the coats. <laughs> is it? that they were like they were so big up a pile and that there was such a heavy weight that I'm carrying around all the time that that I'm carrying those around I don't know if that's an insight (laughs) yeah for sure it is uh, it wasn't clear to me, what exactly the meaning of each one is, I think it need or need to have a lot more time <laughs> to do that to to figure it out. But that just felt so. Just I don't know. It just felt so big and heavy. I just. Oh, I sound like I want to. I would. I think that would be very. I would be very interested in um, releasing them permanently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you. I, I did think that it did. I mean, it's, after that thought came to me that it wasn't possible. <laughs> also came to me, so mm. it's something I have to work with, I guess. Because I don't have to believe it. It's just a thought traveling mm-hmm. through my mind. Mhm. And uh, I think I'm bleeding too many <laughs> thoughts uh-huh. that are traveling through my mind. They're just. I think I I, I made that that statement in uh, on Facebook that <laughs> um, erecting a no parking sign for them not to stay. But, um, <laughs> I think my my. Uh, Enforcer has been <laughs> not has been taking some time off. <laughs> so mm. good. So that's just a good awareness, and I'm, I'm happy for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Anybody else have any ahas or insights? Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Maggie. Hi. Um, it was really strange. Uh, the the last statement that you asked, I think it was, um, and I don't remember how you phrased it. Um, what came to my mind is wife and mom at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, and I felt like a sense of conflict within me, like um, like the two of those roles push and pull against each other, mm-hmm. and um, I felt really uncomfortable with that thought. Um, it's not something that really consciously occurred to me. And it felt like um, a lot of those, I guess I could, I could feel conflict between a lot of those different roles as they were coming off, mm. you know, the push and pull mm-hmm. um, between, uh, I guess, you know, in the world obligations and things like that. Mhm. And did you have any greater sense of your choice in it? Um that was the weird thing is I felt like oh I'm controlled by these roles. And I guess maybe that's more the greater awareness is that I that I have that perception that I'm controlled by the roles. Mhm you know, as opposed to to the truth of it. <laughs> hmm Yeah. That's a really good realization. It's interesting. I don't think I've really ever thought of that. So here's something for you to contemplate. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a mother? No. <laughs> Have you always been a wife? No. So how did you become controlled by these roles? Hmm. Something to contemplate. Mm-hmm. Do any other roles control you? Um I I do perceive it as that they do. But mm. when you put the question out there, absolutely. It's it's the playing small, me allowing myself, you know, victim mode, I guess you could call it, which I'm certainly not, you know, these these roles are all roles that I, you know, I've chosen and everything and um you know, I I certainly have choices within them, or you know, I've made choices to be in these roles, and so I I think sometimes maybe it's a scapegoat for me to say that these are controlling me, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to break out of a comfort zone mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So what would motivate choosing to live in a smaller space 
rather than a larger space. Safety is mm. what comes to my mind. Just, mm-hmm. you know, the, what's known and what's safe. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a really great thing to contemplate, Maggie, because this is what most human beings have as a, a very powerful part of their human experience is often without their even really cognizing it, they are actively looking for limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely relate to that in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the on all these, all the <laughs> like a common thread running through them. Mm-hmm. I know uh, one of the things that's coming to my awareness is when I I, I have a master's degree in screenwriting from USC Film School and and when I first started in film school in my first writing class the teacher gave us these assignments and um as as when we first started out the assignment was extremely narrow very very narrow parameters um and uh well and then they got more expansive and more expansive and uh, the tighter the parameters, the easier it was to write. Mm-hmm. And in our human experience, my sense of it is that most people, they don't feel trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so they like to go a very narrow path where there aren't a lot of choices so they don't get into trouble Mm -hmm. and start experimenting and tasting many different things and going all over the place. It's like once you find the fastest path to work, you just keep driving it. Mm You don't experiment. Some people might go a little bit longer route if it were more beautiful. We buy the same products again and again and again. We find what we like, we stick to it. Mm-hmm. If you try to introduce something new, people go, that's not what we like. And if you say, just try something, we don't want to try it. We want what we like. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. People will even watch TV shows that they don't like just because it's familiar. <laughs> or that's what we do. Yeah, it's really worth looking at the choices that we make 
because if you have, let's say, roughly 500 choices that you make in a week, which, which are all choices that are ones that are not motivated by your choice for love, for beauty, for truth, for wisdom, for clarity, for creativity, for self-expression and exploration, but therefore keeping your attention focused on a very narrow bandwidth, then it's oppressive. And the tendency is not even to look at this choice or that choice. So that's why in Masterful Living we start to look at all the choices. What, why am I choosing this? Why am I choosing that? Is this true about my sexuality? Is this true about my gender? Is this true about my family? Anybody else like to share here? I would like to read, Helen wrote uh, uh, this comment. She said, I felt like I became bigger the more clothes I took off. I didn't expect to get bigger. So that was interesting. She's having trouble with her Skype, so she's typing in. Anybody have that? That you felt more expansive the more garments you took off? Got Mary raising her hand here. Mary, just so you know, you always can press star seven to unmute yourself too. Okay, thanks, Jennifer. I think I have the opposite of Helen. I just um, things, experiences, beliefs on the polarities, the negative and the positive, the choices that I've made, the life that I live, just started coming together, and they just kind of neutralized neutralized each other and I just felt like like you know I had a lot of what Maggie was was saying a lot of those feelings came up but but then you know when when the strong intense feelings of the different polarities came up they the negative and the victim um negative and the positive just kind of neutralizing each other, and I I could start to see through the victim mentality and the choices that I've made, pros and cons towards supporting that role that I've played throughout my life. You know, as a child and and different areas in my life. So it was um, it was really becoming aware of all the choices. You know, and and really, I guess I, I guess I'm really feel like I'm willing to take responsibility, even where I really wasn't last year. I feel like I'm kind of on the edge and willing to be more responsible. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that's so powerful. I'm going to share with you a workbook lesson that can help you, help us all. Lesson 253. Okay. Myself 
is ruler of the universe, and it's capital S on the self. Myself is ruler of the universe. It is impossible that anything should come to me unbidden by myself. Even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. What happens is what I desire. What does not occur is what I do not want to happen. This must I accept, for thus I, for thus am I led past this world to my creations, children of my will, in heaven where my holy self abides with them and him who has created me. It is I who rule my destiny. What happens is what I desire. What does not occur is what I do not want to happen. This I must accept. So part of this exercise, what I'm inviting everyone to contemplate is looking at agreements that we've made maybe that nobody even asked us to make. Like, Maggie, did anyone ask you to have that relationship with the role, to feel like it's controlling you? No, absolutely not. (laughs) No. It's how I think I'm choosing to see it. Maggie, did anyone ask you? So... No, absolutely. So, really being willing to contemplate how did it come that you would have come to feel this way? Yeah. Um, because I, you know, as I'm sitting thinking about it, one there was a huge contrast when you said, uh, "What is?" I think you said, "What is your essence?" Or, you know, when all the when all the coats are off, mm-hmm. you know, I just uh, I think the word that came to me was loveliness. Um, it just felt, you know, it was like just lovely, you know. And I thought, well, you know, I think that I could really have that same feeling in a lot of these situations where I am seeing it differently, mm. you know. And um, and I know that I I have seen some shift, but I I think that is has been an interesting mindset that I've possibly approached a lot of um, commitments as not, you know, that these these things that we involve ourselves in, they, there's a piece of joy in all of them. But I, you know, I'm looking at the, the maybe the not so joyful parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot to think about there. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most common things that we work with as spiritual students, and that is recognizing that we willingly give away our spiritual sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So we're not the ruler of our domain. Mm-hmm. 
So in Lesson 253, even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. And yet, you see, because this is my perception, that because we have this inner conflict, uh, which is I would like to be loving and peaceful, and then I would like to hurt them. I would like to attack them. I would like to see them punished. Mm. Or another major conflict we have is we think, I deserve to be punished. I'm bad. I'm wrong. And so we bounce around between these thoughts. We're inconsistent. And so we honestly wish to abdicate our spiritual authority and sovereignty because we Helen I'm just going to um, mute you out because I see you've got some noises coming through there um, <clears throat> so we we don't feel that we are worthy of this great gift that we have which is that our thoughts we have no idle thoughts and that all thought produces form at some level and that our everything that we're seeing made manifest in the world is in some way a product of our thinking mm -hmm. and the collective thought so this is why Gandhi said, be the message you'd like to see in the world. Don't talk about it and don't complain about others. Be it. Because if everyone decides to be what they'd like to see in the world and everyone would like to see peace, we'll have peace. And uh, But you see, so often our mind is conflicted. We don't want peace. We want to agitate. We want to irritate. We, we want to attack. And so we don't feel worthy of having dominion. So we'd rather abdicate our authority to someone else. And then we can say, it's not my fault. These people are in charge of me. These beliefs are in charge of me. I'm, I'm a victim in this world. I, I, I don't have the power. I don't have the authority. I don't want it. That's why of Course in Miracles over and over again is to, is inviting us to take responsibility because that, that really is the way out of all the discomfort. It seems counterintuitive because we're so identified with the ego. How could taking responsibility for every upset every mess every thing that i don't like possibly be the way to happiness how could that ever ever be the ego will not let you see that you have to really choose to see it in order to see it and that's what you're talking about mary yeah that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. There's no way to really be consistently happy and joyful without taking responsibility. And the main reason we do that is basically because it's easier. 
What's easier about suffering? I guess it's comfortable. It's What's something... comfortable about it? Well, I guess that for me, my physical discomfort is really motivating me. But it's easier for me to take a pain pill than to do the other modalities in case of a freak out. That's what, when I think of easier, it's easier not to exercise. It's, I guess the word lazy comes up for me. But again, I'm learning to be kind myself and and, uh, rather than put the label and judge it to look at what you just said. Is it really easier? You know, this is this is suffering. Haven't you had enough? I'm going to be 60 years old. Haven't you had enough of the way things are going the last five years? You know, you have the power to make changes. But for me, it requires more effort. There's more efforting involved. It's more creative. It's more, you know, more mind training. Does that make sense? It does make sense, though I I can honestly say unequivocally that the consistent terrors I used to feel of unworthiness, the gut-wrenching feelings of unworthiness and not good enough, something's wrong with me, I'm stuck on the hamster wheel. I'm never going to get out of this. I hate this life. I'm sick of this. Those feelings that I used to have were in no way easier to endure than the choosing to take responsibility. It literally is about being able to cognize the choices for freedom and the choices for slavery. Now, what I can tell you is when I was deep in the thick of that suffering, I cherished my opinions and my judgments. I felt that I needed to be able to attack others, that it was an important part of my identity. And I remember very clearly one day in meditation, the thought came into my mind, who am I without my judgments? How will I recognize myself? Who will I be without my opinions and judgments? And my higher self said, Who will you be? Who would you be without those identifications? And I sat with it. It didn't take me very long, but I realized I'll be my true self. I'll be free. And I knew that was true. Now, in chapter 25 of of the text of A Course in Miracles, in 
which is called The Justice of God, in Section 1, the link, the link to truth, which is what we're looking to have, is that clear link to truth. Uh, in Paragraph 5, it says, Since you believe that you are separate, heaven presents itself to you as separate. Not that it is in truth, but that the link that has been given you to join the truth may reach to you through what you understand. Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers join as one in truth. Christ and his Father, remember Christ is the Son of God, Christ meaning the Christ Presence. Christ and his Father never have been separate. And Christ abides. Okay, we're getting a lot of background noise here, so I'm just going to mute everyone. Christ Okay, and Christ and his Father never have been separate, and Christ abides within your understanding in the part of you that shares his Father's will. The Holy Spirit links the other part, which is the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special, to the Christ to make the oneness clear to what is really one. In this world, this is not understood, but can be taught. So it's the tiny mad idea to be separate, different, and special that we treasure and what is the mechanism of our specialness what is the mechanism of our separation and the differences it's our judgments and opinions so we cherish those and we trade them for spiritual sovereignty freedom joy wholeness and well, actually, let me restate that. We we keep our opinions and judgments, and we, we sacrifice, we trade them for experiencing wholeness, joy, freedom, abundance, prosperity, harmony, peace, wisdom, clarity, purity. We trade them. But nobody's asking us to do that. Just like nobody was asking Maggie to identify with that role and to feel controlled by it. Nobody. That's an idea she came up with in order to play small and limited, to squeeze herself into that, to abdicate her authority in order to have the excuses for not being loving all the time, for not being her true identity. I can't be free. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. You can't be free and be a mother and be a wife. All right, we're at time here, but Mary, you've raised your hand. 
I just want to say um, thank Maggie for sharing. And mm-hmm. so what would the next step be to dive deeper? Do we look at the secondary gain? What is it that's really resonating with us once we identify um, and advocate the authority? What is it that's keeping us there? What What's deeper? Well, you know, I think in in part it's this we feel unworthy of God's love because we've traded it away for our judgments and our opinions. And we've cherished our attack thoughts against ourselves and our brothers and sisters. So we feel unworthy. So it's really that simple. Mm-hmm. Think of one of the ways that we can see this outpictured in the world is the people who uh, are filling our prisons. Many of the people who go to prison, if they're released, many of them, what do they want to do? They want to go right back again. Because they'd rather be taken care of in that hellish system than have the experience of freedom. Freedom is frightening to them. Oppression feels safe to them. Confinement feels safe to them. Very narrow bandwidth of self-expression feels safer to them. An incredibly violent and limited environment feels safer to them than the possibility of freedom and exploration and creativity and love and all the things that they could experience. Because why? Because they don't feel good about themselves. Why don't they feel good about themselves? Because they've chosen a path where they did not honor and respect other people and did not honor and respect themselves. They've trashed themselves or someone else and they feel unworthy of God's love. It's like this. Imagine that you were given an amazing, beautiful home, state-of-the-art, absolutely every detail made by a craftsman, gorgeous, absolutely stunningly beautiful. The ideal And you didn't value it. And you didn't take care of it. And you let it fall into ruin. And you trashed it. And then you even started to really just demolish it. Totally disrespectful. Attacking it. Hurting it. Tearing it down. giving it away, trading it for 
drugs and sex and, you know, all the good bits, just letting people come in and take it apart and trash it, abuse it. And then through the grace of God, you're given another perfectly beautiful opportunity to create a new home. Whatever you'd like, you're free to create something new, start over. Would you immediately go out and make something gorgeous, beautiful and exquisite? Or would you just make a little shelter enough to keep the storm off of you at the worst parts? It's like that. We were given the kingdom and we trashed it. We totally didn't value it. We've all had lifetimes where we completely demeaned other people and or ourselves. So we we say, oh, I'd love to have, I'd love to win the lottery. I'd love to have lots of money and live in a beautiful space and all of that. But if you don't feel worthy of it, you can't hold it. That's why I give the example of the container that you poke holes in. Does that make sense? Yes, that's beautifully, very well said. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your question. Yeah. And what A Course in Miracles teaches us is that this experience is not real. So no matter how depraved we have been, no matter how guilty and ashamed and demoralized and depraved we feel, it's not true. It's not the truth of our being. And no matter what anyone else does, it's not the truth of their being either. And our responsibility is to know the truth for ourselves and for everyone else. And as we're able to know the truth for our brothers and sisters, we can recognize it for ourselves. That's how it works in this world. Even in this world, it is I who rule my destiny. What happens is what I desire. What does not occur is what I do not want to happen. This must I accept. So let's accept it. And let's find the way out of hell. That's what we're doing. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and place our hand on our heart. And as we're doing so, my invitation to you is to 
really contemplate these garments that you're wearing. Do some writing around it. And how can you look at these garments you're wearing and find ways to love yourself more fully? What are the threads that you've woven in that are unloving? And are you willing to let them go? Are you willing to place them on the altar, surrender them, no longer energize them, activate them, and make them real? What are the most loving ways for you to be at work in your family, in your home. I invite you to contemplate one thing that you can shift in any part of your life experience. But most particularly what I'm getting right now is something in your home. What could you do differently in your home in your home environment that would be a great act of self-love. As many times we hold on to so much stuff that even though we don't consciously recognize it, every time we see that stuff we think, ugh, I'm not very good. Something's wrong with me. I know I, I used to have things in my closet that I had purchased that I never wore or I wore once, and they were often more expensive things than other items, but I couldn't get rid of them. And so every time I would see them in my closet, I would be thinking this thought that I was foolish, that I had wasted my money that I should wear it or I should lose weight so I could wear it or some kind of chastisement. It was there whether I really paid attention or not. So I got rid of all those things. And you know what I did? I gave them away to people that I knew would look good in them. Even if they cost me hundreds of dollars. I said, let me give you this. This is going to look great on you. If they didn't want it, that was fine. Give it to somebody else. Or just give it all to the goodwill. But there are many things that we accept, that we have inured ourselves to, that are really affirmations of our lack of self-love. That a loving person wouldn't do that. A loving person wouldn't live that way. See if you can just pick one thing to do differently. You know, it's like I, I used to, uh, when I had a home, <laughs> I would use the good dishes. Because I enjoyed it. I had them to use. I didn't need to save them. To now is a special occasion. Try it for just a week to use your good dishes. 
See what difference it makes. Just see what brings up what it brings up. Take all those things in your closet that you just never, that you haven't worn in, let's say, three years. And bag them up. Do something with them. Get them out of there. If you haven't worn it in three years, give it to someone who will wear it. Why be a hoarder? Don't be a hoarder because what's the energy of hoarding? It's you're preparing for lack and limitation. You're expecting, you're anticipating lack and limitation if you're hoarding. All right. So, something. I I, I invite you to place in the Facebook group the one thing that you're going to change and actively do something different. And, and, And please also share how you feel as you make this change and as it continues. So we're grateful and we're thankful that we can change our mind, that we can do things differently, that we are not confined to a role, and that our true nature is perfect, whole, complete, beautiful, radiant, free, loving. It always has been and it always will be. So grateful this is so. So grateful to know the truth that sets us free. So grateful to share our awakening and our freedom with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we allow ourselves to experience true freedom. We allow the freedom to be our story of glory. In gratitude. We simply say, Amen. Amen, Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your week.